You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Eric Crocker, always around the football at that time, made a great catch. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, day two with my new co-host, Eric Crocker. You heard his sounder there. I love it. So um, we'll be dropping the Eric Crocker sounder, I'm sure, often. At BD Peacock is where you can find me. Crocker you can find at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Don't forget to check out Croc Talk TV on YouTube and the Croc Talk podcast as well. And the long version of our Monday episode where uh, Croc dropped his decision, the decision on where he was going to podcast. And it was with me. Right here on Locked On 49ers, <laughs> pumped for We're going to talk cornerbacks a little bit today, and uh, that's Crocker's specialty, so why not start there? There's a few different notes I want to get to with that and, and the 49ers draft picks at that position. By all means, tag me at BD Peacock, tag Croc at Eric underscore Crocker, and get involved in some mailbags. We'll probably try to filter in some mailbags whenever we can, so you can tag us anytime something pops up. If you're listening to a pod, you got a question for us, just tag us on Twitter and let us know about it. Yeah, there was actually a good question earlier today. Someone asked about Trey Lance's lack of throwing attempts. Did you see that question? Yes, on I did see that question. I might have bookmarked it. Hold on. Let me see if I do have that one. Shoot. I do not have that question, but it was a good question. And basically the question was, yeah, are you worried about the lack of passing attempts? The Trey Lance thing is so unique and it's hard to know. There's so such a wide range of outcomes, right, with Trey Lance and what he could become as a 49ers quarterback because there's never been a player a prospect like him and we know what the physical attributes are but it's been 40 years since a player that's attempted that few passes has been drafted in the first round which is because it was a different era and they just didn't throw as much then that's why it's been that long um but I don't know I want to say it doesn't matter that much, but I think it does because the track record for quarterbacks that only start for one year is not great. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one, Croc? So so my thoughts, they immediately, and I've answered this question before, so I knew exactly how I wanted to answer it, but my, my thoughts go straight to Cam Newton. And I'm not saying he's Cam Newton or even that type of prospect. Obviously, you hope maybe he would have been, you know, with another year of football, but Cam Newton didn't throw the ball a tad. You know, one of the one of the stats that the you know the the guy in the comments you know threw out there was that hey he only averaged like 190 passing yards a game, where Cam Newton averaged 203 passing yards a game. So we're not talking about you know a whole lot more. That's probably just one more completion a game, right? Um, and Cam Newton with his limited sample size of passes, because remember Cam Newton barely played as a freshman with Florida, right? A kind of a reserve role with Tim Tebow and stuff there. Then went to Blinn Junior College. And then went to Auburn, won a national title, and left. Well, he didn't have a ton of throwing attempts. I think throughout his three years, he only had like 10 more passing attempts total than, well, not including Blinn, but, you know, as far as a Division One quarterback, he only yeah. had about 10 more passing attempts than Trey Lance. And when you look at him in the sense of how they played stylistically, very similar. Well, Cam Newton goes to the NFL – and in his first two games, he throws for over 800 yards. You know, so this is a guy who, you know, only threw what you know 18 passes a game or whatever. I think I I did the addition or the uh, the math on it. He averaged 13 completions a game at Auburn. Then he goes to the NFL, throws for over 800 yards in his first two games. Throws for over 4,000 yards that year, one rookie of the year. So my thought process, my thought process on that is, is not so much 
you know, oh, the, the stats, what, what do they say? It's what, what does his skill set say he can do, right? Like if, if he has the ability, if he can, you know, if he can make all the throws, then who's to say that with more attempts, maybe he, you know, he can be a, a high volume passer. I think those are things that you just don't know. You just want to see, does the guy have the ability to do it? Like, right. Can he make all the throws downfield underneath? And obviously there's places where Trey Lance needs work, but overall it's just, I mean, I, I don't look at that, that, that number like some other people, because I mean, there's been people rest in peace, you know, Colt Brennan, but I remember when Colt Brennan was coming out and even before him at Hawaii, they had Timmy Chang. They were throwing for like 5,000 yards and didn't do anything Jude in Jones, the NFL. They were the OGs spreading it out, just going crazy throwing the ball. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, the stat numbers don't really translate. And I think it's a great point. You have to look at, did they execute what they were asked to do? So if Trey Lance only attempted so many passes and he executed them well, well, double it then. Right. Could he not if he attempted one more pass, was it not going to go well? You know what I mean? So I right. agree with that point. And, and that's why actually earlier on in the process, I didn't see it as much at the end of the process. But earlier on, Cam Newton was one of the big comps just because of the height, weight, speed and because of the only the one year starter. I saw a lot of people comparing Trey Lance to Cam Newton. And I think that is the one player you're looking at. It's like, OK, look, one year as a starter in college football can be done it doesn't mean you can't be successful there's just fewer guys that have done it and Trubisky didn't turn out great and and you go down the list and most of them it doesn't turn out well but Cam Newton it turned out just fine and then you say well why did it turn out just fine you say well because uh he had the physical attributes and he wasn't asked to throw a lot in college but when he did it turned out pretty well they won a national championship as did I mean obviously on a different level but as did Trey Lance and so did he execute what he was asked to do? And if he just ramped up that volume, would he continue to execute? And so I think the 49ers think that answer obviously is yes. Yeah. Or the 49ers feel like we can, we can, if, even if he's not there right now, we can get him to that point right. where he is executing how we want to play. I mean, shoes, look at what the 49ers did. It wasn't like that's just the highest volume passing game in the league. So, I mean, went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo attempting like the least amount of passes in the NFL. Yeah, so it's not and, even like in that playoff they, run too, they went even more extreme with it and they didn't need to throw the ball at all. He could have had an extra running back on the field practically with how uh how run heavy they went. But yeah, you're right. And you know what, kind of on the same note, and I thought about this when it came to Trey Lance and his offense. I hope that his offense in college wasn't the reason that Kyle Shanahan liked him. Because for the same reasons that we just said that maybe it's not that big of a deal that he didn't attempt a lot of passes in college, it's also not that big of a deal that he took those few snaps under center. He only attempted, I think it was less than 100 snaps in his college career from uh, under center. He only attempted less than 100 passes when he took the snap from under center in college. And I think uh, Justin Fields had like 45 or something like that. So he had 50 more attempts from under center than Justin Fields did and it's like that's a preseason right so I you can't overrate (laughs) that either because that's such a small sample size just because his college offense asked him to do that that doesn't mean another guy can't learn to take a snap from under center and attempt the pass you know just because this college had a fullback you're going to draft a quarterback because they employed a fullback and the other college didn't so uh, for the same reason that I don't think um, you should overvalue the college production and what he was asked to do in college 
in the negative way. I don't know if you should, as uh, a projection into the NFL, overrate what his college did and asked him to do in a positive way either. If you're just looking at the traits and trying to figure out what can this guy do, just because his team had a fullback doesn't mean uh, the other guys in college that didn't have fullbacks aren't going to be able to operate a, an offense right. that has a fullback, right? So um, I think there's both sides of that. How well did they execute what they were asked to do instead of scouting the thing they didn't have any control over, which is what scheme their coach decided to run? Yeah, and I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, especially with Justin Fields. I think that's one thing that kind of gets a little overlooked, at least did in the process of this whole thing. Everybody did talk about the fact that, you know, Trey Lance played so much on the center, and it was like, man, like, if you just watch Ohio State, you'd see Justin Fields under center a lot more than I think people would expect, and not just playing under center and they're handing the ball off. I mean, there were play-action shots that he's throwing for touchdowns doing it. So I'm really intrigued to understand why they weren't more into Justin Fields because I thought it was a little more obvious, even more obvious than Trey Lance. I, you know, I, I spoke about it previously on, on this pod, uh, talking about maybe the person that Trey Lance is they fell in love with. But it sounds like even before they found out who the person was, they already really liked them and were kind of all in and they just wanted to make sure that the person matched up with the film. So that's very intriguing. Right. And it's, it's almost seems like to me that, that Kyle Shanahan maybe didn't like teenage Justin Fields. And I, I don't know if that's really the thing, <laughs> but it's the only guy he knew. And I thought that would be the reason that they would trade it up because they knew him. And he was like, Oh, this, I knew this guy was destined for stardom when he was 17 years old, but maybe he didn't like his attitude or something like that because it sounds like he was actually not the, not the the player that they were really looking at very strongly there, and it was the other two guys. And the other thing about Mac Jones is everyone was talking about, oh, Mac Jones, the the most Kyle Shanahan-like quarterback, but Mac Jones took the fewest snaps from under center and threw the most screen passes, too. So his offense yeah. translates less than both uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields to the NFL game into Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I thought some of that was overblown, too. I think they were scouting... Uh, skin color or something with that one. I don't know why they would say that, you know. I mean, decision-making was good in, in, in all of those things, but um, it, yeah, some of that was, was really overblown. It, it was, His decision-making was good, but I think, and I mean, some of this stuff, it doesn't matter anymore, right? 49ers, yeah. they chose Trey Lance, yeah, right? It's a but one. just kind of looking back and looking through the process, if you really just watched a game of Mac Jones, you do see some really weird decisions but I think he just got dubbed this like super accurate great decision maker efficient thrower all these things and everybody just ran with that oh 77 percent right. it's like well yeah he's 77 percent passer but he throws more screens than anybody else I mean he had over 500 yards off of screens in comparison to Justin Fields who had 80 yards off of screens you know so like obviously different offenses but if, if you're getting almost 600 yards of offense or passing yards from the screen game, how much does that inflate your passing percentage? Yeah, and there were times when he wasn't he wasn't necessarily throwing guys open. He was waiting for an open window because he had the best blocking up front and, and was never under pressure and had the best receivers and waited for him to get open and made throws. And it's not like it's not to take away from what he did as a quarterback and he did some good things too, but I think a lot of that was definitely overblown. And that's why I was pulling my hair out in the pre draft process. Like, come on, Mac Jones, I mean he's fine, but he's not that, you know. Well, it turns out he wasn't that, and most of the other teams agreed until uh, until the New England Patriots nabbed him at number 15. That's why he was the fifth quarterback taken. Yeah. I mean, it's just – and teams are going to bet on 
high-end traits. You know, the, 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 the way I try to look at it is if you can go back and do that 2018 draft again, and, you know, that was with Josh Allen and all those guys, like, where, where would, would, would anybody take Baker Mayfield, who has been a solid starter, especially last year, solid starter, right? Playoff, won a playoff game. But would you take Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen? And it, no would, it seems like a ridiculous question now. But then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But why, why would you take Josh Allen? And a lot of it is because of the, just the freaky upside, the ability, all the ways that you can utilize him. And I think when you're looking at, you know, choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance or anyone else, it's just like, why would you not want more? And you know, you, you can always Herbert. go the safe route, but why would you not want more? Last year, Justin Herbert went, went through the same thing. And yeah. people thought that six was too high for him. And then looking back, they're like, oh, yeah. I can't believe people took, I can't believe they took Tua over Justin Herbert, but nobody had <laughs> Herbert over Tua, even with his broken hip coming into the draft. All right. I want to move on to, to, to cornerback and talk a little bit about corners. If the 49ers lost the best cornerback in the league this offseason from their roster, and if uh, my scouting report jives with yours, Croc, because I trust you, and I already did a podcast on Ambry Thomas, so I want to do the short version of that and see if you agree with how I see Ambry Thomas. And then I think later on this week, maybe we'll talk uh, D'Amador Lenore, and we'll talk some wide receivers. We'll talk Julio Jones. It's getting close to, it's going to be June 1st when people listen to this podcast. Right now, it is still a Memorial Day as we record this, so I hope everyone's enjoying their Memorial Day weekend. More Croc and Peacock coming up. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. No NFL games to bet on, but NBA playoffs are happening and are super fun, especially when you've got a little extra on the line, Major League Baseball every day, all summer long. All your sporting needs, odds, latest news at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action at BetOnline. This is your chance to get into the game. NBA playoffs, there's triple crown, horse racing, golf majors happening, the PGA Championship. And not just sports, by the way, a ton of other things to get involved with at BetOnline. There is table games, poker, blackjack even reality TV and award shows to bet on. Head to the website or use your device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with promo code locked on. That is promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Yeah, Peacock. I like all the nicknames people are throwing out for this. Dude, we've gotten a really good response. People are stoked, Eric, that you're joining the show. I'm almost getting a little worried that they like you more than they like me. <laughs> nah, you know, I, I messaged you and I was like, man, that's a receptive very well. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. You know, me coming in is like, you've been do- doing this and rocking for a while. The one question that was really out there a lot was, what's going to happen with Nick Winkler? And it's like, no, he's still yeah. going to have Winky Wednesday, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll still have Winky Wednesday tomorrow, in fact, and we'll have Nick on the show and, and talk about the latest, what's going on with the 49ers. Maybe we'll have some June 1st action we can talk about there. Uh, here's an interesting one, and when I ask if the 49ers might have lost the best cornerback in the league, I'm not talking about Richard Sherman. I'm talking about this report, and uh, I'll go with the tweet from our old buddy Joe Fan, who now covers the Seahawks instead of uh, covering the 49ers as he used to for 49ers.com and he had the quote from Akello Witherspoon on his four years with the 49ers and Akello said quote when I was healthy I was the best corner in the league he also said he had two significant injuries that people didn't know about Crocker your thoughts and I know you were maybe a little bit more of a fan of Akello Witherspoon than a lot of fans were was Akello Witherspoon the best corner in the league when he was healthy saying you're the best that that's a little rich you know even for a guy like me that like <laughs> our killer with this one you know a good amount I, I would say this n- not the best but but when he was just completely healthy and the confidence was there he did play at an extremely high level um you know you, you can go back to you know the, the game against Tampa Bay and and the game against you know uh, I'm talking about the beginning of 2019 Tampa Bay and then he played against uh who was the next game Oh gosh, uh, Bengals. And you watch those games and you watch what he was doing. And it's like, is this the best corner in, in, in the league? Like, that was what it looked like. The way he was challenging Mike Evans. I mean, terrific at every level. He ran vertical with uh, Deshaun Jackson easily. And guys aren't just running vertically with Deshaun Jackson, especially mm-hmm. a few years ago. And I mean, just his confidence was at an all time level. Next week, came against, you know, played against the Bengals. Lights out, almost had a pick six when he kicked the ball. Remember that? He punted the ball dang near to the yes. stands. <laughs> um, you know, he was playing extremely well. Confidence was there. And then he had an ankle injury, played against the Lions, and had probably his worst game of his career. And from there, it was just kind of – it was up and down. I knew about the ankle injury. I also think there were some other things, maybe um, a mentality thing that were – between him and Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan really likes a certain type of cornerback, not just a certain type of quarterback. I think it's a certain type of football player. Yes. And if you, and if you start to find out that you don't have that mindset that he likes, you kind of get put on the back burner a little bit. And I think a little bit of that happened with the Keller Witherspoon. It was like the defensive version of Dante Pettis, right? Where you see flashes yeah. and then all of a sudden he gets in the doghouse and then maybe starts, they start to doubt themselves. And I really saw that there was, Times when Akella Witherspoon was really confident, and you could tell by the way he was playing, and, and he would be demonstrative after a play, and, and he'd hit a little harder. And then there are other times that he's kind of like shying away. It seemed like, and 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 I think that's what Kyle Shanahan really doesn't like. And uh, I think probably looking at the players they drafted this year, you can see a lot of what they're looking for, and and less of that going on. And actually, in the last couple of drafts, they're definitely targeting players that they really believe are going to be hard-nosed. And um, it's I see the quote about, I was the best corner in the league, and you kind of chuckle, and you're like, come on, Kelly, you, you know yourself you weren't the best corner in the league. And I get how players need to be confident, and I, they need to pump themselves up, and they say stuff like that. But at a certain level, too, 
I think, well, look, like self-scout a little bit, you know? Like, oh, so you can't get any better. It was only because you had a bad ankle or you got hurt and that's the only thing right. that, that held you back. It's like every like be humble enough to know that you need to work still and that you can be a better player. And so that's kind of when I see something like that. I was the best corner of the league. I'm like, God, I, I, it, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't mean anything because it, whether he said, you know, something else or not, it's just like, come on, dude. And and then, you know, obviously he left the 49ers and he probably is mad about his time with the 49ers. So who knows? Maybe this is what he needs and now we'll have the chip on his shoulder and play better for the Seahawks. I don't know. I think there was definitely a lot more talent that we didn't quite see consistently with the 49ers. That, I, so I'll give him that. I, I think that's the key word. I, I think the consistency part of it, because he would string together these games where it looked really good and then he'd have like this stinker and and or weird things just happened. We saw in the divisional round playoffs where he just kind of stumbled over his, himself and mm-hmm. with the ball in the air. I thought I thought he struggled sometimes to, to play the ball at the catch point. That was weird. But just if you're just talking about like pure talent, pure ability, there not, there are not many guys in the league, especially at six three, that move the way he does, that can run the way he does, that has the feet the way he does, and he strung those good games together. But then he just have these inconsistent moments. So with the Seahawks. We're going to see if maybe getting with a guy like Pete Carroll can maybe keep, you know, have that confidence in him. Like, and now that take his game to the next level. We've seen it with DJ Reed, right? DJ Reed was guy, he feels like he was counted out and everybody was against him in the 49ers. They didn't believe in him. They let him go. And he went and he picked off Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, like we saw him play extremely well. If that same thing happens to a Kelly Weatherspoon, which I could very well see. I know 49er fans are giving him a hard time. They're like, he's burnt toast. But there is a scenario where Witherspoon plays extremely well. And I'm I'm excited to see it just because I, I I like to see these type of stories of guys that have everything against them, you know, to a certain extent. And they kind of bet on themselves, talk themselves up, mm-hmm. and then back it up. I like to see those things. So yeah. I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what happens. Talk I do think it's going to be a little bit bigger loss than what most people think. Kind of mm-hmm. like Kendrick Bourne. I think Kendrick yeah. Bourne, 49 are still trying to figure out, like, who's going to be wide receiver three? I think this is going to be a scenario where what happens with the corner now that Keller Witherspoon was not there. And Richard Sherman. But that's and so that's kind of the difference between those two guys is like talking yourself up is one thing, but talk is cheap. You also got to back it up too after right. that, and, and I think that's big. And one of the biggest things for being an NFL player, and look, and you know it as as well as anybody, mental toughness is a big part of it. You have to love the grind, and, and you have to either uh, love the grind or somehow put the grind aside and and get through it. And mental toughness is such a big part of it. How much does that? come through for you when you're watching a player and you're scouting a player say for the draft and you're like are you trying to like figure out and get in a guy's brain like is this guy mentally tough is this the type of player that's coming to play every down yeah and and I can see it with just the way that they attack certain things or what they do after plays and I usually note those things especially in my breakdowns you know and I know we're not talking about Deamador Lenore yet but when I watched him against Stanford, that was the first thing that jumped out to me, how he scrappy he was, how he wasn't backing down from these physically imposing receivers that Stanford had. I mean, they had Simi Fioko, who was a 6'4", 220-pound receiver who ran a 4'3", and you have Diamador Lenore, who's like 5'10", 190 pounds. And if you saw how scrappy he was after plays and there was a lineman that came out to block him, he threw the lineman on the ground and he's talking trash and grabbing guys by their face masks. Like, those are the things that <laughs> Crawford excited and Diamandu Lenore, like he at the very least has that. So I, I definitely note 
a guy's what what they're thinking in their head, how they attack um, guys. You know, do they go out of their way to make a play or make a tackle? Those things jump out to me because it kind of tells me a lot about who that player is mentally. And we saw it in that one clip from the first day of rookie minicamp, right? With uh, Austin, it was Austin Watkins that he locked up in that one play. And, and he was all over him. And he was like ready to go from the first snap of his first rookie <laughs> minicamp practice. So you can definitely see that in, in Demo for sure. Um, I've got a question for you coming up about the 49ers offseason when it pertains to cornerbacks and then talk a little bit of Ambry Thomas and we will get to Diamador Lenore I guess maybe tomorrow we'll get into that a little bit more maybe Thursday yeah. after after the winky Wednesday talk a little bit more about Demo and and some other draft picks as well and all the latest going on with the 49ers with Eric Crocker more coming up did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno recently if you find that one give it a shot I was pleasantly Surprise. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Big overview question of the cornerback position first before we talk a little bit about Ambry Thomas. Eric, and my question to you is, did the 49ers do enough at the position? Like, do you feel okay with what the 49ers are going in to training camp with if this is it, if this is the, the depth chart at corner? I talked about this yesterday on the pod, whereas, like, I, I understand where they're going with certain things that they do. If it were me, I probably would have drafted Asante Samuel right there in the second round. They elected to trade back mm-hmm. and draft the, the offensive lineman, which I, I get it. But you know, you 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 wait, and then you grab a guy like Ambry Thomas. Then you 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 draft Diamador Lenore, and now I see the vision that they have, and it makes total sense. You have Jason Verrett on a one-year contract. You have a Nickel Kawan Williams on a one-year contract. You have uh, Mosley. You extended him. It's like a two-year contract, but really, it's like a one-year contract. It yeah. can be, you know, and so, it's not expensive. It's not like he's paid starter yeah. money or anything like that. And really, when you think about like just the outside corners, you got two guys and then like Dante Johnson and whoever else they, or Harris or, you know, whoever else they have that's probably never, ever going to see the field. Right. So I think it was definitely very necessary to grab those two guys. If I had to guess maybe what they're thinking, they want to see what can these young guys do? Can they compete for a starting job? If not, are they at least ready to be able to step on the field in case of an injury? If not, then... I would assume that they go out and draft or sign a free agent veteran corner, maybe Richard Sherman, but bring in somebody that is ready to play right now. So I, I, I think they probably want to see, I, I think they feel comfortable that they had two guys that could potentially be starters in Verrett and Mosley. And we'll see what they got in the young guys. But if the young guys show that they can't play right now, then you, you'll see them go with a, a free agent. Now, I think that's the mindset that they took on here. Yeah. And maybe they're learning some of that right now in OTAs. And so when this June 1st, thing hits maybe they know okay we can spend some money here maybe we could trade for this player or maybe we need to spend this money here 
if it was up to you, Croc, would you trade a second rounder for Julio Jones and spend whatever cap you have left on that, and they would have to make a little room for that to happen, or would you just spend the money and bring in Richard Sherman, and you can only choose one of those things right now? If I only had to choose one, I'm going Julio Jones. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with the, the the corners that they have starting. It's not sexy, but I'm I'm comfortable with Verrett. I'm comfortable with Mosley being starters, and I'm and I like the thought of, you know, a, a rookie maybe competing for one of those spots. But on offense, I'm I, I like the starting two guys. But if you tell me I have a chance to get Julio for a second, and in my head I'm thinking I'll recruit. I recoup that second round pick when I trade Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm going in on especially. I on love Julio the mind, Jones. talking about mindset, mental toughness. I love the way that Jimmy Garoppolo is coming into this thing, and maybe he will play his way into the Niners getting a draft pick and a team wanting to pay his salary next year because he's signed for one more year after this year. Who knows? Maybe a trade trade deadline thing. But um, talking corners here. Here's the other names on the depth chart at corner. I forgot that they have a gentleman by the name of Mark Fields the second. Uh, Ken Webster they picked up last year Brian Body Calhoun Tim Harris and then the all the corners we just mentioned there Uh, I want to talk Ambry Thomas though because when I watched his tape post draft and he did kind of slip through the cracks I didn't watch him much at all because he was one of the opt-out guys and I know some people said oh well maybe if he played this year he would have been a you know a super high pick a first rounder a top 50 guy I didn't necessarily see that I thought the third round was a really good spot maybe earlier in the third than they got him potentially but not a you know not a high second round or anything not a top 50 player but again I, I and maybe not to the level of Diamador Lenore but there was a, there was some scrappiness to Ambry Thomas's game they he was in press coverage a lot which you don't see that much on the college level I remember watching last year I think we might have talked about this on the podcast before the draft uh, C.D. Lamb. Watching C.D. Lamb, nobody was ever on, up on that dude. It's like, how do you know how he's going to face press because he literally didn't see it one time in college? It's crazy. So seeing Ambry Thomas up on dude's press coverage outside all the time was like, okay. So he was, uh, and he was, he was all about it, and he was competitive. So I like the competitiveness. I thought he was pretty athletic. I don't think he blazed but he also didn't seem like he was worried about people running by him and you didn't really see people running by him that much I think he was much more comfortable uh, on the boundary and playing with the sideline and and playing receivers down the field than he was on in-breaking routes and he would kind of get in a little bit of trouble there at times and I don't necessarily think it was because of his quicks or anything I just think that he uh, let guys get the inside on him maybe and maybe that was a technique thing maybe that's the way they coached it up I don't know but he got beat on in-breaking routes a lot more than he got beat down the field. Um, And when he got beat down the field, usually he was close to the play and he was in on it. I think he maybe could have done a little bit better job finding the ball, and he would kind of get in this weird scramble mode when the ball got to the receiver. And he he would do everything he can to claw the ball out and get away, but it was like, man, if you just would have found the ball and maybe made this one move, then it would have been a lot easier because sometimes he's like just scrambling, and the ball would finally hit the ground, and he would break up the pass, and he'd still be like looking for the ball and scrambling around. So he didn't really panic when he was trailing a receiver down the field, but he panicked right when the ball arrived, which I thought was just somewhat weird. Maybe that just, you know, it comes with time and he needs a better technique finding the ball or something like that. But um, overall, I really liked Ambry Thomas. Uh, I think he absolutely could compete for a starting job. I don't think he's a player that uh, projects as a, as a shutdown type of corner or anything like that. I don't think he would have been a player, even if he played last year, that would have gone in the top 50 or anything like that. But I like the player. I thought it was a pretty good value where they got him. And I thought 
um, that they did a good job of finding a player that late, pick 102, that could potentially compete for a starting job. What did you see in Ambry Thomas, the prospect? Yeah, so, you know, one thing real quick, I had put out a video of him. There was one, it was like a very high-level play where he was getting everybody lined up. I think I posted it to Twitter where you could see, like, he definitely, like, as far as from the mental standpoint, understands exactly what everybody is supposed to do. He got his guys lined up, said, hey, no, you come here, you go down, you move over there. He played off, he played a catch, got in great position from an off coverage, and I thought that was terrific, um, kind of seeing those type of things. Jim Nagy responded to that tweet and said, as far as like seniors go or something like that, if he would have played or opted in or it was something like that, maybe if he would have came back, he was going to be the number one corner on his, on their board. So they were really high on. Maybe that's where that, the, that came from. Oh, the number one for the, the senior bowl. For the senior bowl. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. not, <laughs> not, right, right, right. Okay, not okay. number one corner, in the, you know, coming out of the draft. But um, I, I'm with you from, you know, it, it's the one thing that's interesting with his film. He lines up in press alignment 95% of the time which is a lot. One thing that maybe some people don't understand or what they're not looking at, you have to look at like his alignment. So press is an alignment, all right? Press is an alignment. Jamming is a technique. So I think there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that think like if you're just up at the line of scrimmage on someone, you're supposed to get hands on every time. With him, you got to look and see where he's lined up because even in quarters or cover three, he still would line up in press alignment. So I think some people think, oh, he's in man coverage right now. But if you look, if he's shaded outside a little bit, then he's actually in a zone. So sometimes maybe when you saw him, in, you know, give up those routes in, inside, mm -hmm. if he's squeezing it, he probably was in a zone because there are times where you see him squeeze and then fall off because maybe a back goes down to the flats and he comes down and make a tackle. So those are some things that kind of, you know, you kind of pay attention a little bit with his game. Mm -hmm. Now, where I did see him getting a little bit of trouble, I watched the Alabama game. And you can tell, like, he couldn't do anything with Devontae Smith. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the world of Devontae Smith. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to judge you based on that. Yeah. But I like to go to Alabama games because that lets me know, like, all right, let, you're going to get tested right now. They're yeah. going to test all your movement skills. How does your body react to guarding those type of receivers? And we're talking about the year before. I mean, Alabama had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, all, all those guys out there. So you want to see how he's going to get tested from a movement skill standpoint. You watch that game. I didn't think he reacted as well as I would like. But when you watch him against bigger bodies, you watch him against Tra uh, 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 Chase Claypool, Claypool yeah. maybe some other uh, receivers in the Big Ten, you see like, yeah, he has no issues being able to run with those guys or challenge those guys. Did he still give up some catches against Chase, Chase Claypool downfield? He did. Mm -hmm. I think he yeah. gave up two catches that game. Both were downfield and both were highly contested. Like you said, yeah. one of them maybe, was a great you know, was, throw and a great catch from from Claypool on the sideline. Just because he had it, size, yeah. he was able to go up and get it. So it, it, it was like a back shoulder. Yeah, sometimes toe it's like you toe tip your cap because the other guys can make good plays too. Yeah, so I, I just think where they got him, it was it was very good value. You know, I, I don't look at him as just shut down guy, but I, I do like where his mind is at. I like the physicality part in his game at the line of scrimmage. I like the patience with his feet. I talked about. Uh, you know, Patrick Sertain and, and uh, Tyson Campbell, those are like two of the most patient corners I've seen at the line of scrimmage ever. And I think Thomas has that type of patience as well at the line of scrimmage, whether a guy is in his face or even if a guy is about three yards off the ball, he's still patient, works to get hands on. So there were some things that I really liked, like that he can play zone from a press alignment, liked his ability to run vertical with guys, 
Wish he was a little twitchier, a little bit more sudden, because I don't think he's just the biggest of guys, right? Where he's about one six one, you know, one hundred ninety pounds. I think he's it's not like five he, eleven. He's almost exactly height, weight, speed, forty time, every everything, almost identical to what Emmanuel Mosley was coming out of college. Okay, yeah. So he's not the biggest of guys, and I would I would say that Mosley moved very well, like you know. For the size that he is, and I would say maybe mostly moves it a little bit better, mm-hmm. but I, I, I still feel like he's got a pretty good break on the ball, and and maybe is maybe um, a little bit more aggressive attacking forward, maybe if that makes yeah. sense. Coming downhill, yeah, and, 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 and some of that is just that's that's a guy just trusting what he's feeling mm-hmm. and playing playing cornerback. A lot of it is about having that feeling. So you can have that anticipation. And we see Mosley have some of that. Now can a guy like Thomas, that might be a little bit more physically imposing, can he kind of catch on and have that? And if he does, that's when you'll see him potentially compete for a starting job. If it's something that he has to learn, then there's going to be that learning curve and a, you know a process with that. All right, we're out of time here. I want to talk more about the 49ers draft when it comes to cornerbacks and Diamanor Lenore. And I'm going to ask you the question, Croc, on probably Thursday, uh, if – the style of corners they now have on the roster indicates the type of defense they're going to run more often in 2021 and going forward. So we'll pause on that. That's coming up on a future episode of Locked On 49ers here with now a lot more Eric Crocker. Joining me daily at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend about it. Subscribe to Croc Talk. Subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show too. Cool. Good stuff, Croc. It goes quick, right? It goes quick when you're talking yeah. to somebody for a 30-minute podcast. Sometimes you're like, okay, man, we got to shut this thing down already because I could have kept on going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's going to be like this every day now. Yep, it's going to be ready. every day. Crocker and Peacock, let's do it. Croc and Peacock. Uh, Peacock, as, as some of y'all had said, locked on Crocky. Let's do it. Be back tomorrow right here, Locked on 49ers.